We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, a Green Bay Packers podcast for the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Eurostep Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Numak. And joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, uh, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well on this fine Wednesday evening. And uh, also joining us is a special guest, Matthew Collar, host and writer of Purple Insider covering the Minnesota Vikings. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Actually, uh, this is a, a day off for the Vikings, so I uh, played some basketball right before this. So if I look Ooh. like I'm a little hot, um, people don't always know, but you guys do that. It's really hot in the Midwest in the summertime. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little sweaty, but we're, we're doing great. It's been an interesting and fun camp this year so far. And, uh, first preseason game tomorrow night against Seattle. They're kind of like one of those markers of the summer. All right. Mm-hmm. We take another step and eventually we will get to the regular season. It just feels like camp starts to drag on forever at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jordan and I were talking earlier this week that was like, man, we covered like two weeks of camp and we're like, we just can't talk about the battle for the safeties anymore. <laughs> and the third string running back, we kind of covered that um, as well as we could having being in Milwaukee. 
Yeah. 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 Well, it, it is uh, interesting, though, compared to previous years for the Vikings, because a lot of the last years that I've covered, uh, I've been covering the Vikings since 2016. And I think 2017 was my first camp. And there were very few battles along the way. I mean, it was the team that stayed together for a long time. A lot of veteran players. They were usually an all in type team to try to win. And so they would sign veteran guys like Delvin Tomlinson or something like he, he's not fighting for a, a spot. So it was. Right. all right who's wide receiver six versus wide receiver five <laughs> will they keep five linebackers or something but this year there's a lot more action so the preseason game matters a little more and uh there's just a, a lot more to discuss to try to read between the lines from coach press conferences and things like that so uh, for me it's been, it has been a bit of a refreshing summer so far and uh you know i'm sure in about a week when most of these things are resolved or two weeks then i'll be like okay come on let's get going here let's get the season but Uh, at least these things are still playing out at the moment. In years past, the biggest thing was, will Laquan Treadwell make the team? And then (laughs) now you guys have got a uh, a lot to talk about, a lot of new faces. So I guess that's kind of where we'll jump into it. Um, You had mentioned sort of pre-pod that there's just sort of a a new rotation on this team, a lot of new guys trying to fight for jobs. But all those new guys come from having um, a few departures from the Vikings over over the offseason, including like Adam Thielen, Irv Smith Jr., uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and Dalvin Cook most recently. Um, I guess, what do you think is the direction from this team and the departure from sort of those veteran guys to getting some of those new guys in there to try and help repeat that 13 and or 14, 13 and four, right? Or 14 and three. 13 and four. Yeah. Yes. And, and thanks four, to the sure. Chicago bears playing Nathan Peterman and Tim Boyle in the final <laughs> week of the season, 13 and four. Uh, but you know, it, it is a, a very big topic. Even the owner of the Vikings talked yesterday, Mark Wilf. And that was one of the main things that was asked about the direction of this team. And uh, you guys coming from a place where 13 wins has happened a lot. Uh, you know, this, that when you win 13 games, you do not rebuild, you do not competitive rebuild. You run it all back and you try to win 13 again. Of course, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers were there every year, so that's what you do. And the Vikings, you'll never believe this, don't have those quarterbacks. So uh, they are always trying to kind of build for one big swing at it per decade, which has always kind of been the thing, right? 2017 is Case Keenum, 2009 is Favre as a Viking. Go even back farther, it's Randall Cunningham in 1998. They kind of get their one big shot. So what last year was, was their one big shot. But what previous general managers have always done is the run it back plan or the try to kind of replay last year with Kirk Cousins instead of Case Keenum, for example, when they made Cousins the highest paid quarterback in the NFL in 2018. And what has almost always happened in Vikings history is the following year, Brett Favre does not do it again. And Kirk Cousins is not the answer because a lot of times when you win 13 games and your quarterback isn't the MVP, it usually means a lot of things went your way. And it was well chronicled how much went the Vikings way. But it's it's almost understated. Like People recognize the one-score game stuff, but to see how they actually happened, it, it was just it, absurdity every single week. Like Taylor Heineke just throws a ridiculous interception. Uh, Jalen Waddle fumbles out of nowhere. Josh Allen can't do a QB sneak and then throws interceptions <laughs> in the end zone. Like it was just complete madness. And eventually in the second half of the season and in the playoffs, the wheels came off that bus. They lost in the first round of the playoffs because they were never really a 13 win team to begin with. 
But this general manager, Kwesi Adafo Mensah, the reason you hire him and fire the last guy is to recognize that, to know what the numbers say, to know where the team is going, to understand that you're just going to hurt yourself with the salary cap in the future if you work around and restructure and kick money down the road to keep Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, if you overpay Delvin Tomlinson, all those things. So I've been impressed with a general manager who says, no, 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 we're, we're, that was not the real deal. These, these guys are regressing in their older age. They're expensive. We need to move on. We need to refresh this roster. But the weird place that they're in is that the ownership of this team would never accept them saying trade Kirk, go all the way to the bottom. And you also really can't do that when you're trying to negotiate a contract with Justin Jefferson. Like, are you going to, who wants to be the guy to tell Justin Jefferson we're tanking? Like it's not going to go over <laughs> very well. So uh, they are trying to thread a very interesting needle, which Kwesi Adafo Mensa has admitted that it's hard to do, which is to be a good team and rebuild your roster around a lot of key players like Jefferson, Christian Derrissaw, and then try to transition into a Super Bowl team. It's not easy to do. Kansas City did it with Patrick Mahomes, but that's kind of an outlier. Buffalo-ish, but they still had to go down uh, a little bit in the first year of Josh Allen. But they right. were kind of a mediocre team with Tyrod Taylor. A lot of times, if you want that guy, you have to get you know Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick. And, and that's how a lot of teams get back to the top. So they're trying to thread an interesting needle, but they made a lot of moves this offseason to do that. They have young outside corners. They've drafted a bunch of players in the secondary, some of which are trending well, some of which are not. And, uh, you know, they they drafted another receiver with the understanding that if they replace Kirk Cousins next year, the next quarterback gets Jefferson and a first-round receiver. They've drafted a bunch of offensive linemen through the years going back to the previous regime. So I, I think that if anybody's going to be able to do it, it might be them, but a lot of it rests on the next quarterback. So that's the most interesting discussion in Minnesota, but also we've got a 2023 season to play. So it's weird, right? And and everyone is just accepted like, oh, I guess this is the last year of Kirk Cousins. The owner was saying we're focused on 2023. Kirk said, maybe we'll talk about it next March. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa said, yeah, I know his agent. Like, I guess we will talk or whatever. Like, there has been no discussion whatsoever, really, of a Cousins extension, which leaves them in a very interesting position where you either win big and hit on a quarterback in the draft and be great, or you lose big and end up with Brian Hoyer starting starting for you or something. You know, I mean, it's, it is a very tricky thing to right. do. And, uh, you know, that's where they're going to go forward. So it's, it's a fascinating situation right now. I guess with that in mind... Um, this is not a question I had prepared or anything like that at all, but like, how does he keep that messaging to a team that you look at the division? They're easily, I would say the most talented team. They're the most experienced team. Mm -hmm. They should win it. And coming off a year where, yeah, there's a lot of faulty <laughs> stats and everything like that, but they won the division last year. And if you look around, there's still a lot of uncertainty in Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago, obviously, too. It's like it it feels like this is their division, but there, as you mentioned, there's so much talk about like what happens to this team beyond this year because of everything that has happened this offseason. So I guess how does that I guess how does that needle keep getting threaded within the locker room and then higher on, you know, within the organization? 
Now, there's almost been a weird reverse effect of this where you would think that the team would be like, well, the organization isn't buying into Kirk, then neither are we. But it's weird because when you clear out all of the old guys who had played with Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford and that had gone to an NFC championship and then seen him fail repeatedly to go anywhere in the playoffs – I think that a lot of these guys are young and not experienced a lot with that. And they're just like, Kirk's our guy. Kirk's our quarterback. And there seems to be more buy-in to Kirk Cousins this year than there ever was during that previous regime. And part of that is also Mike Zimmer, who made it super clear over the years that Kirk was not his guy. He had nothing to do with Kirk Cousins. And, you know, there were a few times where Zimmer tried to kind of be like, no, Kirk's my guy. But it just, you know, I think we saw over the years what the truth was, is that he never wanted to spend that much money on a quarterback. And honestly, Mike Zimmer was right. I mean, he overall, he was right that the defense fell apart. They couldn't spend enough money to keep it together once they got old or once they had to let players go. And when you were spending, you know, in the, in the cap was lower a few years ago, when you're spending $30 million, it's eating up 15, 18, 20% of your salary cap. And that makes it very hard to add final pieces to your roster. And if it's not Aaron Rodgers playing like an MVP, uh, you need every single thing clicking. But that's kind of how the old mentality was of a team that was setting the bar at the NFC championship last year. A lot of the only impression of, for a lot of these guys is last year mm -hmm. of seeing Kirk get hit, get back up, lead game winning drives and like try and convince them that the one score games don't matter. Right? right. I mean, so they, they've seen all that they've seen sort of him be more clutch than he was ever given credit for, which was always kind of a bogus narrative, by the way, like him not being clutch. Um, I think he's just, he just is who he is. Right. Like why doesn't he win in prime time? I don't know. Cause he's usually playing Rogers. That's why. And that's really <laughs> fundamental. Right. That's really fundamental to why they haven't won anything with Kirk Cousins is that it was always a little too expensive and not quite enough there with that next gear that he's sort of limited. But I don't think this group really cares about all that. I think that right. like he's QB one. He's their guy. They got his back. And also when the head coach has your back, as Kevin O'Connell has bought into him fully as his coach, maybe not as his future quarterback, but certainly as his coach for 2023. Um, it's interesting. O'Connell can kind of separate himself from all of that. Like, well, that's the general manager and contract, and I'm just here to coach you. But he's had a ton of support for Kirk Cousins. He's put him in an offense that is pass first. I mean, you guys know it was Delvin Cook, Delvin Cook, and right. maybe a play action pass, and then more Delvin Cook, which was actually really effective against the Packers most of the time. But oh, not always. Uh, it's, always. It's been yes. like that for the yeah. last five years. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, uh, you know, this is a pass first offense, 100%. They are yep. leaning into throw the ball to Justin Jefferson all the time. I used to have a joke Good like someone plan. should go to. Yeah, right. I agree. Someone should go to jail if he doesn't get 10 targets used to be my joke. And I was like, I don't have to send anybody to jail anymore. Perfect. Um, so I think I think they've taken a very smart, modern approach to this thing, including how they treat their quarterback and how much that results in them, you know, kind of over overachieving potentially. I know that their win loss is eight and a half in Vegas. So the expectations are not that high from people trying to project this season. Um, I, that That's going to be really interesting to see. But uh, the the transition from Kirk's organization doesn't like him and is frustrated by him and the players are frustrated by him and Diggs is wanting a trade, which was more about Zimmer than Cousins, but you know, all that to now a completely different narrative as we go into this season. It's been interesting to see. 
I think it sort of like exemplifies the two sides when I remember like the the pinnacle Mike Zimmer moment is and like in the Kirk Cousins era is Kirk Cousins just shoving Mike Zimmer as they won that game. Like that wasn't mm. a a friendly shove. That was that had a little bit of mustard <laughs> behind it. But then like the culture totally shifts once uh Kevin O'Connell came in and just reinvigorated this team's morale. They just seem like they're just so happy to play for him essentially and it just it showed last year they had fun last year it was obvious mm-hmm. they were having fun and winning games probably because of it yeah i think uh there is a little cause and effect there um i think that uh in 2017 you would have said that the vikings had an amazing culture and everything else i'm sure there were uh lots of newspaper columns that said zimmer's got these boys galvanized together all playing for each other and then uh when they didn't win as much then it was zimmer's lost the locker room it's like kind of how everything always works um in football it's like your culture is only as good as your win-loss record but i do think talk to mike mccarthy on that one too (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But I do think that Kevin O'Connell's overall approach has really resonated with with this team. And, you know, what the thing is that Zimmer was, I think, a really, really, really good NFL head coach. And I mean, you guys know he went to battle with Aaron Rodgers and sometimes Rodgers got him and sometimes he got Rodgers, but he got Rodgers a hell of a lot more than most people did over the years. And, you know, I I had an immense respect for him and I thought he was right about a lot of things. Things, right about the Kirk Cousins contract. I think he was right about how to use Kirk Cousins in that play action role. Uh, probably a, a little too obsessed with the run. I thought they should have, you know, leaned into Cousins and Jefferson and Diggs a little more often. But uh, I, I thought this is not the easiest act to follow from an X's and O's perspective, but it sure as hell is from a culture perspective because it was as toxic as you could get by the end of that 2021 season. And they needed somebody like Kevin O'Connell to come in and treat the players with more respect. I think have much better communication as opposed to you work for me. You're the employer. I'm the employee or whatever. You're the employee. I'm the employer. I'm the boss. You do what I say. Like that was Zimmer and even players that you would have thought he would have had great connections with over the years were kind of like, I don't know, not really. Uh, Kevin O'Connell has really connected with these guys on a personal level. And so I do think that that comes into play somewhere. Did it make Josh Allen fumble? Probably not. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I, but I I think that there is an energy about this team, even in training camp and Brian Flores, their new defensive coordinator has even added to this, that would have been, I think it would have been tension and frustration with Zimmer and also expectation. This does weird things to people. You know this about Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is like not considered a good head coach and look how many regular season games Dallas has won the last two years but that's what expectation does. If you win those games, you're in those big games and you have a meltdown, people think you're the worst coach on planet Earth. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle with McCarthy and it was with Mike Zimmer as well. Uh, But now Kevin O'Connell faces that. I mean, if if they win seven games this year, people are going to say, well, you know, maybe it was just kind of a bunch of luck for last year. And he's probably going to have to deal with more adversity than he did before. When everything's going your way, even when you're down 33 points, you somehow win a game. It's like, (laughs) who can ever have anything bad to say? Um, That might change this year when they face a little more bumps in the road. Right. And so I guess one of those big changes that came over the year or over the summer was Dalvin Cook leaving. And as a Packer fan, but also a fantasy football player, Alexander Madison has always been my little darling. I try and get him every year because I know he's going to perform week in, week out, despite his carries and just Delvin Cook's um, injury concerns. But 
Vikings letting go of Dalvin Cook, um, I guess, what do you think is the future for Alexander Madison? And how do you think he's going to, I guess, fare within this offense now that he's going to be the featured back? Yeah, when they uh, released him, I thought I heard something to the east. Oh, it was the Packers fans cheering that they had no longer have uh, Delvin Cook in the backfield. <laughs> it was but, quite the roar, probably. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that, they, they had filled the stadium to watch the Adam Schefter reports. Uh, <laughs> Delvin Cook no longer a Viking. Um, Delvin Cook in 2019 and 2020 is some of the best running back play I mean, I can't, Adrian Peterson used to be here, so I can't say like ever, but in the league, I mean, it was absolutely dominant. He, through the first half of probably both of those seasons, had MVP discussion going on and stuff like that. And he was every bit that good. But the injuries started to pile up, especially in 2021. And you saw the numbers start to fade the efficiency numbers, the expected points added per run. And last year, the burst was not there. And I also think that something happens to these running backs when you get these injuries that there's a, there's a level of aggression. It's like when you are, I don't know, I, I maybe shouldn't make this comparison with Jordan Addison driving 140 miles an hour, but it's like when you're 17 years old and you first get behind the wheel of a car, you're going to like, let's see how fast this thing goes. There we go. I'm not afraid of anything. You should be probably, but uh, then when you are 28, you are not driving as fast as you were when you were 17 on the back roads because you have a little more life experience and you're afraid of a deer. Like, I think that <laughs> happens to running backs when they are 22 years old. They're like, I'm running over people. Right. Don't get near me. I am just going to hammer into you and everything else. But then, I mean, if you were going to put up a graphic with all the Delvin Cook injuries, it would have like 50 little lines pointing to different parts of his body. Mm -hmm. It was ankle. It was an ACL once upon a time. It was a hamstring. It was a shoulder. It was a like after a while, I think you lose that sort of reckless abandon for your body. And he mm -hmm. also understood that that could be the last year of his contract. And I think he wanted to not further injure his shoulder. So I'm not saying mm -hmm. that he didn't give 100 percent. I'm saying that it's a natural psychological effect when you have that many injuries to not be the same person and that's what we saw and and when you look at his yards per carry which is what we always go to first it's like oh well that wasn't that bad but he had more runs of zero or negative yards than anybody else in the league i mean wow. a few huge runs one against miami one against buffalo they really uh balanced it out in terms of yards per carry but i think what kevin o'connell's looking for and he's mentioned this about alexander madison he's looking for four yards in a cloud of dust because that sets up second and six. And that's when he can run play action. He cares about just throwing that football and you can't help but respect it. But that's what everything comes down to. Madison is a better pass blocker than cook. He's a better receiver than cook. Every year th there was the fantasy football people saying cook's going to catch a lot of passes this year. And you know what? He never did. That wasn't no. who he was, right. but Madison is actually a really good receiver out of the backfield has good hands. So I think that everything came down to how can can I just set up my pass game better? Mm -hmm. And plus there's just, they needed cap space too. They, they were just uh, completely out of cap space. If they're going to extend Jefferson Hawkinson so that it all kind of played into it. But to your point about Madison over the years, every time the guy's gotten a chance, he's just been good. And yep. again, with the yards per carry, not really telling the true story because it's a lot of short yardage stuff, you know, and a lot of goal line stuff that lowers that. But when, if you look at games where he had to be the guy and start, 
He had a lot of games where he was averaging four and a half, five yards a carry and was really effective. So he's also one of the smartest players that you'll ever meet. Um, I think a guy that's excited for his opportunity that he's waited a long time for. And, um, you know, I, I think that he's going to be the guy. I, I don't think that there's going to be a huge rotation. I think they really believe in Alexander Madison. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um, You talked about Kirk Cousins already and just the general vibe of the relationship and going into the final year of his contract and all that stuff. It obviously begs the question that, yeah, it's – Everybody can say the Vikings can get a better quarterback. There's a little bit more quarterback movement now than there has been in ever. <laughs> so there kind of opens that door to, you know, I guess upgrade. But he's still a productive quarterback. He's going to be 35 this season, I think it is. Um, I guess where do you see this going from here? I know that's it's very dependent on how the team does. But if Kirk has a good year and – you know, he has some leverage to kind of come back to the table and say, I want to play for this team or, or maybe even retire with this team. Could he kind of just flex that muscle again? Yeah, that is the big question is how many wins, how many yards, how many touchdowns, <laughs> what PFF grade, whatever would it take for the Vikings to say, you know what, we will give you that contract. Because from my understanding, the way that it went down this offseason is that the Vikings 
thought that they were going to give him a short-term extension that was maybe similar to what happened with Derek Carr with Las Vegas, mm, where it was, okay. let's give you an extension, but then if we want to move on, we can and set it up that way. And Kirk basically said, look, this is 13 win Kirk. This ain't 500 quarterback Kirk. <laughs> so, um, Let's let's see the the money and let's see the the years too. And by the way, Daniel Jones signed like a thirty seven, thirty eight million dollar year contract. If you're Kirk, you're like, come on, I'm better than that guy. I know that he beat our defense in the playoffs, but look at his numbers. Look at my numbers. Uh, and the Vikings just did not feel like a quarterback of his age that you want to lock yourself in for that long and make him a Viking for life. And look, I mean, last year, they didn't even outscore their opponents uh, in the regular season. So, and I think there's a pretty good argument to say that they were closer to a mediocre offense that had to play a lot of crazy games at the end and, and score points and chase than they were an efficient, terrific A-plus type of offense. Go look at the scoring percentage per drive, EPA, like any of the underlying stats. Uh, the people at uh, Football Outsiders at DVOA, they just were like, this team on fire because their stats really focus on efficiency. And I think that there's truth to that, uh, that it was a good offense. It was not a Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs caliber. And is Kirk Cousins ever going to do better than what he did last year? Now, maybe with Jordan Addison, maybe another year of this offensive line gelling, mm -hmm. maybe. It, but it, but we always do that in August. We go, well, but maybe if Kirk just... This man has had, let's go back to Washington, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, two all-world tight ends, Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff. He comes to Minnesota. He's got Diggs. He's got Thielen. He's got Delvin Cook. Mm -hmm. I know that his guards haven't been great and that Kenny Clark feasts on Garrett Bradbury, <laughs> but I mean, it's, not like, it's not like they've struggled to find this guy help around him right. and it's always been a day late a dollar short and i think from the organization's perspective that's how they look at it is mm -hmm. we love you you're a great quarterback hey look you're anybody watch the johnny manzel documentary it's hard to be an nfl quarterback kirk cousins is one of the 15 best human beings running around throwing a pigskin and that's pretty darn impressive but you can't conflate that with like winning a super bowl right and so yeah. there's you know it's like what's the standard here are, are you going to chase the super bowl now look you could get caught drafting zach wilson or drafting sam darnold or drafting Mark Sanchez or draft, I'll just name Trey Jets Lance. quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> Trey Lance. You get, well, I mean, Josh Rosen, you get like, there's yeah. a lot of busts. Okay. Right. Um, but if you go through um, the standard is not always got to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen to have a great team. And uh, you see a lot of quarterbacks that don't have to be the first overall pick Lamar Jackson or Jalen hurts, or, you know, there's a lot of guys who Good have love. not even been the, the right. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't want to discount that. Uh, in the garbage time in December, he was pretty good. That was oh, the only Jordan love I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, boy. it was great. <laughs> but, um, the point just being that if, if it was just about how well do you throw a football, are you accurate? Are you a good quarterback? Can you run an offense? Then, okay. But the reason we all love football so much is that there's two games being played. There's the game of the X's and O's on the field, and there's the front office game. And in the front office game, if you pay a quarterback $40 million, he better be Aaron Rodgers in his prime or Patrick Mahomes. And if he's not, then you're probably not going to win anything. And that's just been the fact of the matter through football for a long time. And I respect 
that Kwesi Adafalmenta, again, has recognized this and not locked himself into a quarterback that has been the poster boy for do not overpay the 12th best quarterback in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think I'm in a, like, I'll have a similar opinion that, like, for Kirk Cousins as to what his cap number is now compared to what it started out as when he first went to Minnesota is a lot better than that initial contract look. Because it's hard to get a better quarterback for like the same amount of money. Like I wouldn't be comfortable as like a Vikings half fan. My wife is from Minnesota. So I, I cheer it at family gatherings and it's like, what I want Daniel Jones on that contract. Probably not. I'd rather have Kirk cousins, but at the same time, it's just, you can't really go for that top overall pick while Justin Jefferson's on the While Justin Jefferson is on the team. You just can't yeah. tell him that, that, that that's a good plan when you have arguably the top one or two wire receiver in the game right now. So yeah, I think what they need to accept, and I don't know if they do or not, is that sometimes what, what number draft pick was Aaron Rodgers? Was he like 20, 24, 24, 25. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes was not first overall. Josh Allen was not first overall. Lamar Jackson, Jalen hurts. You can go down the list that drafting is so weird and random that a lot of times it's not even the first guy who's taken who, I mean, look, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, they will stink. And and, and in that draft, you have two all world megastars who are like on the cover of video games and the, the NFL, the whole NFL missed Lamar Jackson and uh, enough of the NFL. I mean, if anybody had known Patrick Mahomes was going to be what he is, they all would have traded up to number one one right so we've all decided that Caleb Williams and Drake may are the next Dan Marino and Tom Brady or whatever but a lot of times quarterbacks emerge at this time last year if you said who is Anthony Richardson I would have been like strong safety like (laughs) I I don't know like who is that I've never heard of that and then a good example of that uh, is Brock Purdy like yeah he showed himself as a possibly uh, capable starting quarterback in the NFL and he was Mr. Irrelevant. Like, mm-hmm. right. I mean, and Dak Prescott and, and look, I don't advocate drafting fifth round quarterbacks because nope. that usually doesn't work out or seventh round quarterbacks. But my point just being that sometimes you have to accept that you really just don't know until you get the guy in the building and you've got to take a swing. And this is where Kevin O'Connell could be great or terrible for you because he might be looking for perfection as opposed to just someone we can believe in and go all in when it comes to the next quarterback, but there is another wrinkle to this. Call it the Kyler wrinkle that there's always a quarterback who is looking for a new location. And Kyler Murray is the guy that I have drawn a circle around and Vikings fans are like, I don't know, man, he plays too many video games. Like, Oh, oh, are you serious? Yeah. Pairing Kevin O'Connell, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and Kyler Murray together. I don't know if it fails, it's going to be pretty darn fun. So there's there's always just, Nope. As a Packers fan, I'm I I see the the vision from a Vikings fan perspective, and I could love it. As a Packers fan, I'm totally okay. <laughs> well, you it. want them to draft Sam Darnold, is what That's you right. want. Uh, That's right. <laughs> the, the, the point just being that um so the the future is scary and mysterious, but if they're not afraid of it, like you have to kind of trust that something will just show itself and because it always does every mm-hmm. year. And if you end up with a Derek Carr type. Well, that's kind of what you had anyway, and you don't mm-hmm. drop off really from uh, Cousins. But if you end up with a Kyler Murray or you end up with somebody in the draft that works out, I mean, you are golden for a very long time when you have Justin Jefferson and, and so forth. Right. Sort of talking about a possibly scary and mysterious future. Um, Vikings made a lot of changes on defense this past year. 
uh, hiring Brian Flores to come in and sort of revamp this this defense that was near the bottom and probably every metric that you really don't want to be in. Um, all of a sudden, Marcus Davenport and bring in Byron Murphy. I guess what is what do you think this defense is going to look like this year? Do you think there's sort of any chance that the uh, the Vikings defense performs as poor as it did last year? Yeah, so we're, we're all um, Midwesterners here. Uh, Ed Donatel <laughs> was a great guy. Yeah, you know how you just have Former to just start Packers. out every guy. Yeah, defensive coordinator. Yeah, too. right. Yeah, great and guy. Twenty-six. One, great salt guy. of the air. Great guy. One of the nicest people you'll ever meet. That is a fact about Ed Donatel. But I have never seen someone misuse so many players all at once. And it was like the what's the movie? Everything, everywhere, all at once. It was like everything's wrong everywhere all at once. And that was Ed Donatel's defense. It was a disaster. And you saw it. Like Daniel Jones owes Ed so much money because going into the Vikings game, the first Vikings game they played on, I think, Christmas Eve, there was no way they were paying Daniel Jones that much. And then he has two great games against the most horrendous defense against the pass. And all of a sudden, Daniel is a rich, rich man. So uh, they owe a Christmas card to Ed. But Brian Flores has brought a completely different mentality. And you talk about using players the right way. And I'm just seeing it everywhere. Like all of a sudden, Harrison Smith, you guys were probably wondering, where's Harrison Smith? Oh, why is he playing like a deep third of the field, like way out there in the parking lot? What's he doing out there? Because normally <laughs> he's in the box causing havoc, right? Because that's right. what he does. That's yeah. who he is as a player. Well, he's back. So Brian Flores is using him correctly. He's been driving Kirk Cousins crazy oh, with no. all of these blitz packages and everything else. And I mean, actually, there's been legitimate offensive frustration because Flores is sending so many crazy things at them, which I think is a good sign. Also, just, uh, you know, players like if you want to go deep down the roster, like a Josh Metellus, who has been a special teamer and most people have never heard of. But all of a sudden we've seen this guy kind of emerge and get better and better. And Flores is finding a role for him. It's kind of a hybrid linebacker, three safety type package. So you're seeing the creativity of Brian Flores. And I think just the he's a guy who was rooted in scouting. Uh, and I think that he really evaluates players extremely, extremely well. All that said, so I think he's as impressive. And plus, you talk to Brian Flores, he's as impressive as you would expect for a guy who had a great reputation in Miami until his insane owner fired him for no reason. Um, but, uh, yes. well, actually, no, there was a reason. He wouldn't tank. So this is a perfect yeah. place. This, this team <laughs> it's refuses a, It's a good place. Tank. It's a good place for right, him. Right, <laughs> exactly. That was in the interview, must be, right? Like, Brian, there's no tanking here. It's, oh, okay, oh, I'll take perfect. the job. <laughs> so, uh, so I have a, a lot of respect for what I've seen so far. But they have two outside corners with a grand total of about 120 snaps between them. And Makai Blackman, their rookie, and a Caleb Evans, who played last year and had some injuries. Both of those guys have shown good signs, but it is a hard National Football League for outside corners. I really like what they've done with uh, Byron Murphy. Again, finding a player who is with a garbage organization and bringing him in and putting him in the right spot. I think that's a, a just a really good plan mm -hmm. for them. Um, their linebacker situation, very suspect. Their defensive line outside of uh, Daniil Hunter, very suspect. A lot of veteran players who is Marcus, Marcus Davenport, the guy who gets nine sacks two years ago or zero sacks last year. Right. Is Dean Lowry the guy from two years ago or the guy from last year? I'll answer probably the question more for likely, you. Yeah, it's, it's, probably it's last more year. Probably the guy from last year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so like, they lost Delvin Tomlinson, who, you know, 
is a beast. Right. It's it's hard to replace that. And so I, I think roster wise, a lot of times, no matter how genius you are, no matter how well you use players, the NFL is is my roster better than your roster? And mm-hmm. I think they're going to struggle. So I think what their plan is, is to just blitz the heck out of other teams and see if Jordan Love throws in the ball. Yeah, understandably. Good test. <laughs> <laughs> um, you talk about camp and obviously, you know, specific how Brian Flores is acclimating to the team. How are like overall vibes, I guess, what, two weeks into the training camp right now? Yeah, I think that the vibes are really, really good. Um, You have a quarterback who seems very comfortable with the whole situation and is very happy that Justin Jefferson is not causing any ruckus about his contract. Um, Justin Jefferson is just everything you could ever dream of a superstar player. And it is so funny that this is an organization that had Randy Moss and Chris Carter (laughs) and then Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And when they traded Diggs, I remember being on the radio uh, and I was like, well, look, they'll never replace this. I mean, this guy's one of the best receivers in the league. And then thanks Eagles drafting Jalen Rager. And here you are with the, you know, the best receiver in the world. So I really like, want well, him as the Packers pick really, really want uh, him as oh, yeah. the Packers pick. So did Rogers. Imagine, I mean, yeah. you might imagine have, so you might have another ring, uh, probably yeah. do if he's paired with uh, Devonte Adams. So, yeah. um, but you guys can't complain about championships, not when you're talking to someone who covers the Vikings. So That's anyway, true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but what, what Justin Jefferson is doing to these corners in practice, uh, it would inspire anybody. I mean, it's just <laughs> miraculous to watch on a daily basis and being able to stand on the sideline and see it. It's just really something. It's like, this is something that I'll never forget how much this this guy just destroys everyone. It's like seeing Michael Jordan at practice or something. I mean, he is just that dominant. And I think when you have an offense that always has that answer and you have a defense full of kind of unproven guys fighting for their spot with a new defensive coordinator who has brought totally new energy to this group, the vibes are very, very good. Uh, In the past, it's always been the down things that tend to show up in the regular season and not the good things that make sense. Like I've seen random wide receivers have great camps that never turned out to be anything. I've seen camps that had good vibes and immediately it all went to hell right after that. It's usually like, what are your weaknesses that show up on a daily basis and the uncertainty at corner Anybody beyond Alexander Madison in the backfield, um, they've been banged up a little bit at receiver. The interior of the offensive line is still a major, major concern. They brought in Dalton Reisner for a visit the other day, and they didn't sign him, but I think that they wanted to sign him and may still at some point because their interior of the offensive line is just not great or cannot be trusted, I should say, at Mm. this moment after last year uh, getting pretty much demolished as everyone saw on Netflix. Like they must've been thrilled about that. Um, <laughs> here's, here's all the times the interior of the offensive line, let Kirk cousins get destroyed. So I, I guess I, I would say that Kevin O'Connell and, and he, and he does not push them as hard as Mike Zimmer in training camp, which I think is smart. Um, I think Kevin O'Connell is always going to have a good vibes training camp, probably as long as he's a head coach. Like it's just who he is. Mm-hmm. And they have, performed well enough on both sides of the ball for nobody to be like, Oh my gosh, we're struggling. It's frustrating. It's horrible. Um, and, uh, whether that matters or not, I guess is really the question. I mean, because they should feel right now going into this first preseason game, like they should be a favorite, as you guys mentioned for the NFC North or right neck and neck with Detroit. Uh, everyone's buying into Detroit. I'm kind of buying into Detroit as well. I've been bought in. I have, I have land on that Island. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think that their jersey or helmet determines that they can't be good. I think it's just been kind of things getting in the way throughout the years, mostly just in general incompetence, but they don't seem to have that now. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think that this should be a good team. I picked them to win 10 games and be back into the playoffs, and I haven't seen anything to take of me off of that. But if you look at the depth chart and you go one level down at a lot of these positions, I mean, somebody gets banged up at a lot of spots, and you could convince me that this is more of a seven-win team. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. How has uh, Jordan Asson looked? I know he was uh, dra- or mocked to the Packers a few different times throughout the the, uh, the draft process. Obviously had that incident. We'll call it speeding, just to put it lightly. <laughs> and uh, and I guess has he looked as fast? That's a very bad joke. I'm not going to go there. Has he looked as good in camp as hoped? Uh, yeah, I think that your audience won't enjoy hearing this, knowing the history of Vikings oh, no. wide receivers smoking oh, no. the Packers, but he really has looked excellent. I mean, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm always skeptical on rookies and everyone should be because it's a complicated game and there is a hell of a lot more to it than just, Hey, is the guy fast? But there is something I tried. I, I wrote an article about this the other day, that there's something that Jordan Addison has that you guys would know, having watched, you know, Devonte Adams, for example, there is a route running ball tracking skill that looks like the guy came from the matrix that only a handful of players have. And he has it. He just has that when he's one-on-one with someone, he understands where he is in their leverage and their eyesight and their momentum and, and his feet are so quick. And being 170 pounds could be a bad thing because people can whoop you. But it could be a good thing because he is so incredibly light on his feet that I think that players don't even really expect how quick he's going to get in and out of these breaks. And every single day for the old school Packers fans, they will remember how many times Chris Carter made toe tapping catches along the sideline. Every single day he is making these kind of like diff high difficulty back of the end zone type of reach out. And he, he's also able to snatch the ball out of the air, you know, with bad receivers, how it has to get kind of on them and then they can bring it in because they're in the NFL but with really good receivers they just seem to go grab it Mm -hmm. and that's how it looks to me for Jordan Addison so I'm not declaring that Jordan Addison is the next Chris Carter don't take that the wrong way it's just that (laughs) his first impression has been oh okay I get it I get what they saw to draft this guy in the first round right that's kind of what we got excited about last year with Romeo Dobbs just like in camp and in in preseason games he was going up and mossing people like in yeah. as a rookie, it's just like you just don't see that as, from most rookies. It's a, a natural thing that they just kind of ha- you either have it or you don't. And yeah. I think it sounds like Romeo Dobbs has it as well as Jordan Addison. Yeah, I think that's completely right. That there is a just a natural skill. It's kind of like if you're if you're watching basketball and you see somebody that uh, has a great crossover and just has moves, and you're like, what is wrong with these defenders? They just can't stay in front of this guy. Uh, I compared him to Jamal Crawford because there's really no Ooh. physical reason why Jamal Crawford was such a good player in the NBA, and yet he could just shake dudes like crazy. And that's kind of what Jordan Addison does. And I think that they have. You see it in their faces. You can a lot of times we talk about read between the lines. You when you ask the coach, when you ask teammates, and they're kind of like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, <laughs> yep, yep, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. So again, that does not guarantee anything. As you mentioned, you know, Romeo Dobbs didn't go out and turn into the next uh Jordy Nelson or something yet, but um it's it's good sign so far, and then we'll see how it goes from here. 
you talked about Justin Jefferson, Jordan Anderson, like all the kind of top level talent guys. Are there any kind of under the radar or guys maybe vying for jobs that are kind of making good impressions and whether making the roster or kind of getting a bigger role in this with this team coming into this you know season? Who's your darling? Yeah, there's mine was yeah, yeah, there's, mine was Micah Abernathy well, last year. <laughs> they caught him. They caught him. <laughs> Uh, it so often happens. Well, I was going to say there are levels to darlings. Uh, first of all, KJ Osborne, um, he has taken it personally that people oh, are wow. hyping up Jordan Addison. He's been excellent in training camp. And we have uh, sideline milkshake bets with the reporters of who's going to get more catches this year. I've still got actually KJ Osborne with more catches because I think that Kirk Cousins really trusts him and he's just grown each year. So I, I think that he's going to be a very trusted weapon for this team and step up more than people would expect. So that, but that's like obvious. He's a wide receiver. He's a starter on the team. Then there's kind of the next level down of like Josh Oliver, who maybe most people have not heard of, but the Vikings signed as their number two tight end this guy is six foot six 270 pounds he's mercedes lewis size but he's not 47 years old and is fast and can catch the ball i mean he is a legitimate like can catch the ball a man moving that fast making a back shoulder catch 20 yards away from the quarterback is really something to see uh and i've been i think they're going to use him like I, i've been very impressed He's another guy that they had specific plans for when they brought in to do a little bit more of that Gary Kubiak, like load up with two tight ends. They want to improve their play action game, which was not very good last season. And so I think they brought him in. They want to run more efficiently. He's a big part of that. Um, and then there's like the deep in the weeds, UDFA, who's getting first team reps, Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati. And only your total draft nuts would remember who this guy is. Very undersized, but an unbelievable college player and uh i don't know whether they have a uh, a rudy on their team or a um <laughs> london fletcher i don't know like the next sam mills or something but uh he's he's just really stood out and he's taken a lot of the first team reps away from brian asamoa who was uh, the guy who was expected to start there at linebacker but then there was another angle to this like hey if a udfa is taking first team reps like maybe you weren't very solid at that position so right. uh there is that but there's kind of there's been a number of these guys who i think have stepped up during this camp mm -hmm. and sort of i guess moving on from camp and looking at the expectations for the season we kind of talked about and touched on sort of what the season looks like and how vegas has them at like eight and a half and that you kind of pretend and things like that i guess outside of the obvious drivers like Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, I guess who is the the biggest difference maker you're looking for in this season to actually have a real impact and maybe push the team towards that next step of competing for a Super Bowl rather than maybe competing for a Super Bowl last year? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the big swing here is because everything matters so much with Kirk Cousins. Every detail matters. Every weakness matters and is amplified when you have a quarterback who couldn't run away from either of you guys. Uh, it's the interior of the offensive line. Like, that is what is going to, I think, play a big role here because if you look at the data from last year, it will blow your mind how bad their guards were. Uh, they were both in the top five of pressures allowed. That's not just one. That's two guards, both in the top five. And their right guard, Ed Ingram, and I could just hear Kenny Clark slobbering at the mouth right now, <laughs> but like their guard, Ed Ingram, allowed the most sacks 
ever given up since PFF started tracking sacks for guards. Oh my God. Tied tied for the most ever with 11 in a season for a guard is pretty wild. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell in training camp. People ask me every day on our live streams and our shows, Hey, is, uh, Ed Ingram looking better? Like, how should I know? I mean, I like (laughs) half the time they're not even in pads. Like, do you expect me to be able to tell you whether he's going to be good in week seven based on, uh, you know, some like three quarter speed reps here. I, I can't tell you, but I do know it's it, uh, maybe there are offensive line coaches out there who are way better at that than me, but I, I try to stay in my lane a bit. Um, so I, I just know it's the biggest question. Also Garrett Bradbury had a good season last year by right. the numbers. And does that continue or does that regress based on who they play? They have Vita Vea in for in week one. So Welcome back to football with that guy for the interior of the offensive line. They also drafted Kalijah Canty. Like they're going to get after it and they're going to get that test right away. And if they pass the test, this offense could be pretty darn dangerous. And if they don't, it's going to be the same as always. And, and I think this goes for the running game too. If it's efficient, I mean, they were one of the worst in rushing EPA in the entire league last year. I think 27th. If they are at least halfway efficient in the run game and even make a little improvement in the interior of the offensive line, you've probably got a top 10 offense. And, and so I think that those are the swing guys. Um, but if they are the same as last year, you're probably having uh, just ups and downs, which is what the Vikings offense has been pretty much for the entire time Kirk Cousins has been here so with all that in mind all that said do you expect the Vikings to win the division this year what are where do you see this team going this year I expect them to miss every field goal wide left and us, win three games no us I'm too that's that, that, that's, that's, that's yeah. Anders Carlson us too yeah, that might be <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh no I I do think um I do think that they will be right there. So the Vikings play the Lions, I think, in week 17 or week 18. Uh, one of those final weeks. I, I can't remember the schedule right offhand, but they play them like two times in the last three weeks or something goofy like oh, that. Okay. And, yeah. And I think that those games are going to determine who wins the division. I Somebody asked me. And it stuck with me. Some a, a fan just said, hey, could every team finish nine and eight? And I was like. Actually, yes. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, yes. It's going to be nine and eight, nine and eight, and the Bears are eight and nine, and that's how it goes. Uh, that's right. You know, so that's right, Matthew. That's, <laughs> it, and I looked this up, so I thought, well, that's ridiculous. That could never happen. I looked this up. It did happen one time in 2011. The AFC West, three teams finished eight and eight and won seven and nine. So I was like, okay, I think we need to leave that door open. Uh, I think that that is very plausible because the Vikings also have a first place schedule. They play Mahomes, Burrow, the 49ers, the Eagles. Oh, uh, it's man. just it's gonna, tough. Yeah, it's going to be really a, tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah. So I, I think that they are probably a 10 win team. And if the Lions can win more than that, they'll win the division. And if not, they won't. So that that's kind of where I have them right now. But by the end of week two, that could all be different when they go to Philadelphia on Thursday night and we see kind of how they match up. Like that game last year, if you guys remember that, I think it was Monday night football against Philadelphia in week two, where we just saw all the weaknesses on display. Yep. And through that whole roller coaster ride, it always stayed right there in kind of the background of like, but when they face the real beast team, that's what they really looked like. Not Washington, not Miami, not, you know, not these mediocre yep. teams, but the real team. So, you know, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how those first couple of weeks go, because they're going to really swing the season um, through five. I think they have the Chiefs in week five. 
through five weeks, if you're like three and two, they could be pretty good. If you're like one and four, then probably not. So, right. uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting because it's just got more question marks than any team I can remember recently from covering this team. Right. All righty. Instead of looking ahead, we're going to look back. We got to reach into the memory bank. I know not to rub it in, but I feel like Packers fans might have a little more of like their favorite Packers Vikings rivalry moment than Vikings fans might. But I'm curious to know as a fan, what is your favorite Packers Vikings rivalry moment? And I guess, what does it mean to you at like that moment? I guess, why is it your favorite? Mm. Yeah. So I, I moved here from uh, Buffalo, New York is where I grew up and I, I was covering the bills and hockey out there. And then in 2016, I took the job in Minnesota and my first home game. So they played Tennessee in week one of 2016. Remember Teddy Bridgewater got hurt 2016, right, right when I got here. So sorry, Teddy. Uh, and, uh, so they went to Tennessee, Marcus Mariota threw a hilarious interception and they, the Sean Hill somehow won that game. And in week two, it was Vikings Packers, Sam Bradford, U.S. Bank Stadium, Bradford's first start as a member of the Vikings. And uh, it was actually, I think, Adrian Peterson's one of his last games because he got hurt in that game and didn't come back till the end of the season. So uh, Bradford starting in the game. It is the opening of U.S. Bank Stadium, which you guys are, I'm sure, aware of the noise and the, the vibes of that place. But whatever it was, turn that up to Taylor Swift concert level because it was totally insane for the first game. It was as loud as any place I've ever been. Superdome, uh, Minneapolis miracle, like to start that game here, you know, here comes Rogers for his first snap and he's looking around like he can't hear anything. So it was really something. And in that game, Rogers throws an interception to Trey Waynes to end it. And I think it was 17, 14, maybe it was a, a pretty close game, pretty low scoring. And the interception, that place, the roof, and I shouldn't say the roof blew off because one time the roof did collapse. Uh, but this metaphorically speaking, the roof blew off. And uh, that, that was just crazy. I mean, like that was one of the all time atmospheres of any game that I've covered that first game, but there has been, I mean, the tie, the tie the in tie. 2018. I mean, there is like, I remember. So when you go from the Lambeau field press box to the locker room, it, because it's 10,000 years old, you have to walk outside. <laughs> and I just wonder like what sociopath decided we we hate the reporters so much. We're going to make them walk outside, but it was summertime or, or fall. And I remember walking. Can you walk over where the fans leave? So mm. walking down to the locker room and, and normally when people are leaving, it's either Vikings fans being like, Ooh, we won or cause you know, it's a lot of Vikings fans come down there right. or it's Packer fans saying, well, we won. It was dead silent. It was just all these people walking out like they had just seen a ghost. Like, I, what? I don't. What did, did what? What three? That guy missed three field goals. We missed field goals. What the the refs got in the way? Like it was crazy. So th- that was definitely one uh, as well. And That's then, awesome. um, yeah, I mean, there's just been there's just been a bunch of uh, the the last uh, Mike Zimmer trip to Lambeau Field where they uh, oh, played that that game. Sean Mann, yeah, they played Sean Mannion, and then. After the game, Mike Zimmer just destroys Kellen Mond for no reason. That's we knew, right. You know, oh, my yeah. God. I forgot that was after a Packer game. Yeah. Yep. yep. And we knew it was over at that point. So it's been yeah. crazy. And and just, um, you know, the, the number of one of the things that I always tried to, to take in 
is uh, my respect for Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, as an opinionist on world events, less so. But uh, as a quarterback, with you. <laughs> last, we are last, we're, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last last year. And he was not the same last year as he was in no. the past. And and I've seen him make so many ungodly throws through the years. And I just try to like, like soak it in. You're seeing one of the greats to ever play this game. And he wasn't the same last year, but there was a play where he was at the goal line and he like held the ball up and did a little like fake throw. And the Vikings linebacker just flew by. And then he walked into the end zone. And I was like, that might be the last time I actually ever cover a game where Aaron Rodgers just... I, I can't, I don't want to swear on your podcast, but just like totally F's with somebody <laughs> because he is a superhero and that's what he's able to do. And you're not. And I just think like, I hope you guys in green Bay uh, and I know everybody's poisoned by the way that ends. That's how everything yeah. works. You know that from far it's how every, every legend, it works that way. But Adrian Peterson here, it was ugly at the end, that kind of thing. Moss, you know, but uh, just like, remember that. Because yeah. no one else can do this. Like, there's like five guys in era who can do this, and you had one for yeah. like 20 years. So remember that. I forget if it was the Kellen Mond game or if it was a different one, but in the same vein, it was when um, the secondary went rogue and decided to. Oh yeah, that, yeah. I was at that game. I'm not sure if that was the same game, but that was the same. Uh, game. It wasn't, but um, uh, mutiny on the Fox River is what we called yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, what happened? What happened? The, that was, uh, the secondary wanted to cover Jory Nelson, Devonte Adams different ways. And I think, I think that might've been a Patrick Peterson game, but I, uh, Terrence Newman was yes, the one that's who, who was, was. Like the center. Oh, okay. yes, yes. Yeah. And so they, uh, got absolutely torched for like three touchdowns and 250 yards in the first half. And they looked better yeah. in the second half, but yeah. Yeah, that was all the way back in uh, 2016. Yeah, but that was also the game where Rodgers, quote-unquote, juked one of the uh, the linebackers to run in for a a score. And, like, that same idea is, like, how are you getting deked by Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) (laughs) The sheer number of back shoulder throws, you know, that you just, with, because our, we've all watched so much football that when something happens that just never happens, it messes with your eye. You're like, wait a minute. I did. Did he just, and like, you have to look at the replay. You're like, how did that? I don't even, and the number of those throws with Rogers, I mean, but there's been, there was so many great games throughout the years. Uh, the game in 2019 at the beginning of the season where the Packers got up like 21 and the Vikings came back, Kirk threw an interception in the end zone. That was a crazy game. Mm-hmm. That was, I was that the year they were trying the uh, pass interference thing and the Vikings had a touchdown taken away I because of a weird maybe. pass interference. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, there's been the the one in uh, 2021 where Zimmer decided he was just going to blitz Rodgers every play and then Rodgers went off, but the Packers defense missed the easy, should have been an interception, and then Kirk had a game-winning drive. Like, there's almost every time. Right. See, it's not going to be the same. Uh, it's never going to yeah, be the never same. the same. What? You know, even last year, like neither of those games was all that compelling. When it was Zimmer Rogers, there was something there. And Rogers would talk about it because we used to have these things where we'd have a conference call with the quarterback and the coach or the other team. I think they ended it during COVID. It's never really come back. But we would always talk to Rogers before the game. 
And he would always talk about how like Zimmer's going to throw something at me. I don't expect. And I mean, you know, he always gave a ton of respect to Mike Zimmer and his defense. And when the, when the talent wasn't the same, he's they still had some games though. They had that one that was in the wind and the cold where Delvin went off for like 200 yards. So uh, Jordan love versus, you know, Kyler Murray might have some juice next year, but <laughs> it's just not, it's just not the same when you don't have those two characters and they're both like ornery kind of people. And I think that yes. adds to it as well. Oh yeah. They're kind of two sides of the same coin, I guess, or maybe different. I don't know. <laughs> um, we'd be remiss to uh, not touch on the fact that you're having a book come out a couple months, October. It's uh, titled uh, football is a numbers game pro football focus and how a data driven approach shook up the sports. Oh, look at that. Um, He's got there. It is there. right there. Okay. Well, Got one on the desk. Yeah, these are uh, the author copies. Uh, I have my hands on them. Um, it is pre-sale going on right now, and it will officially come out in early October. But yeah, I spent um, two years essentially reporting on the football analytics revolution that has gone on over the last five to seven years, uh, way behind baseball, but it got here eventually, <laughs> and how PFF was at the center of that. And I think a lot of people know PFF for their Twitter account or maybe some takes that their personalities have and don't understand the business side of PFF behind the scenes and how much impact they have on all 32 NFL teams. Quasi uh, Adafo sat down with me for this book and essentially said he wouldn't be a general manager without PFF's data wow. uh, because that was how he separated himself in San Francisco's front office by studying the PFF like college data and making determinations about draft and, and things like that and um, was able to get the ear of the front office. So there's a lot of story. Uh, Zach Robinson is the quarterback coach for the Rams. Talked to me for this. He worked at PFF for a little bit before taking that job and just uh, explained that, you know, the, the grading, is not perfect and no one thinks it's perfect just like interceptions aren't perfect as a stat or yards per carry or whatever but um i think when people find out like everything that's gone into those grades over the years and how they were formed they will understand a little bit better um how it works and zach robinson kind of took me through how he was a nfl quarterback and then came to pff helped them understand coverages much better and, and sharpen their grades and then used all the film that he had watched to impress sean McVay, get the job in los angeles win the super bowl with um matthew stafford so it was a really really fun project to work on and i just cannot wait till everybody could get their hands on it but you can't pre-order football is a numbers game pff and how a data-driven approach shook up the sport so thanks for promoting that guys and i'm just gonna just gonna bring it over here again <laughs> and, and and don't be worried that the eagles are on the front nobody likes the eagles i get it but um that play that is on the front zach Ertz scoring touchdown was influenced by pff data that's why it's on the front interesting oh, wow. that's a nice, that? little tip nice little right tidbit yeah um i Go ahead, you got new no, go ahead. I, I was gonna say, like, what what took or what inspired you to kind of go forward with this project and and you know, obviously it's a we're talking about new terrain, football analytics. It's been derided constantly. You watch a football game and there's someone, the color commentator usually kind of just putting his nose up about it and all that stuff. I guess that already makes it very compelling, but what more did you want to kind of uncover with the subject? 
First, I just felt like uh, analytics had really started influencing decision making more than ever by about a million miles after 2017. When the Eagles won that Super Bowl, the NFL took notice. And I, I think that we started to see teams. I don't think I know because the numbers back this up. Teams started to go for it on fourth down more. They started to be sharper about draft uh, philosophy and draft value and things like that. I mean, they, they these teams up until recently were using the Jimmy Johnson chart that the guy invented in like the 90s. And <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of crazy how these things have evolved quickly. And we've seen impacts in the game. And then, you know, I also thought there was a lot of really interesting stories about PFF that people just don't know because we all kind of judge everything on our perception of Twitter or whatever social media or whatever we sort of think we know. And I had gotten to know over the years just from having PFF guys on my show and different things like that. I had a chance to go down there to their offices and do some shows from there and meet the founder, Neil Hornsby, who no one knows and is absolutely the Billy Bean of this book. But like no one has ever heard of Neil Hornsby. And yet there are people in this book from inside the NFL who are saying he should be in the Hall of Fame considering his contributions to the impact of the PFF data on the business side on the because what they event, invented was a system that tied data to video. So mm. every team instead of like think of if you, if Mike McCarthy wanted to figure out how to be better in the red zone, he had to have some quality control guy go through every red zone rep, watch all the tape and, and write down what happened and take notes and everything else. But they invented a system that not only has a bunch of data like yards per attempt, but also like the coverages. Uh, they have a tool that draws up each play from an X's and O's perspective. So you can look at the X's and O's of each play and watch it on film. And this has just changed the efficiency. But also there's the influence from the outside in where you have executives and people in the game reading PFF and seeing the data and wanting to take more of that approach. And you have these two things kind of coming together. They are not the only people in the entire world who have influenced analytics. Uh, Aaron Schatz was just on my show the other day, Football Outsiders. And there have been a lot of great football writers outside of PFF. And there are other analytics companies. But this one in particular creating products to sell to the NFL beyond just, you know, the outside content uh, is something that no one else has done. And mm -hmm. they've been able to kind of dominate that space. So I thought telling the story of the football analytics revolution through the perspective of the company that has been the most influential um, was kind of a good idea. And then I found a lot of a lot of crazy stories of how people ended up with PFF and, and things like that and how Chris Collinsworth became the owner of PFF, which I'm not sure that people know. Had no uh, idea. So there's, yeah, yeah. Chris Collinsworth wow. owns Pro Football Focus. Yep. And really, they wouldn't be anywhere near as influential if not for Chris Collinsworth. Uh, oh, yeah. He bought them in, in 2014. They got into the college data, which has been a huge deal, started tracking all of that. And I also think that, you know, Collinsworth got in the door with a lot of NFL teams where they might not have cared as much uh, right. or it would have taken longer. Um, so he's been majorly influential there. And I sat down with him in Cincinnati and talked with him about it. So uh, it was a really, really, really fun project. But I think that now it's sort of like baseball was, I want to say like 2000, let's say 2010, where you had some teams that were really sharp and they were getting an edge. And then you had 
other teams who were like, okay, I think we know about this analytics thing. And then other teams that hadn't adopted at all. And you started to see the gap between them. And this is where you see the Eagles, Howie Roseman kind of getting edges here on some other teams. And so they're starting to separate themselves. And um, that's why we're seeing a lot of new, if you guys uh, follow Seth Walder on Twitter, he's always tweeting out about new analytics hires. And these analytics departments are starting to grow and grow and grow. And one of the cool things about analytics and football, which I know what kind of sentence that is, but <laughs> is uh, I talked to the the head of analytics for the National Football League, uh, Michael Lopez, and he was telling me that you know, one of the great things is that analytics kind of made baseball annoying to watch for a while there, where it was just home run, strikeout, whatever. Right. Uh, basketball can actually be kind of brutal sometimes when they're just clanking threes over and over and over again. But with football, it's influenced more cool stuff yeah. like throw deeper, look for explosive plays, go for it on fourth down. Like a lot of things that have actually pushed us passing more, more passing efficiency to have a more exciting game and uh, keep players healthier, which is a whole different level of analytics and things like that. So it's uh, it was a really interesting project that I didn't know what I was getting into. And I ended up learning um, a truckload about how far the NFL has really come. You mentioned it's up amazing. for pre-order, and it, it does sound really cool. It does sound really cool. <laughs> if one, uh, say, pair of Packers podcasters or some other fans listening to the pod um, wanted to pre-order this book, where could they find it? Yeah, I think the best place is probably just Amazon. Uh, just go type in football is a numbers game. It'll come up. Or uh, you, you got my Twitter here up on the, the screen. It's my pinned tweet. So if you just go to at Matthew Collar, it's right there, my pinned tweet. Uh, I got the link and... You can pre-order it there. So I uh, would appreciate anybody who supports it. Um, it was, I think it would be really in, insightful, uh, not only just about the analytics revolution, but also there's a lot of cool stories about like the guy who invented PFF and did all this stuff. He's from England and was just a random football fan. Like he had no football background at all. And you'll have to read the book for the rest of the story, but how crazy is that? Like just some random English guy ends mm -hmm. up being the super influential figure in the NFL behind the scenes. And he's, uh, he's a super interesting character. So it's, it's great. So anybody who uh, wants to read, I, I really appreciate you ordering it. And um, thanks. Thanks guys for talking about it here on the show. Really appreciate that. Yeah, no, no problem. problem. No problem. No problem. Uh, you mentioned your Twitter. Where else can the people find you, Matthew? Yeah, um, everything kind of is housed at purpleinsider.com. I don't know if your audience wants to listen to the Purple Insider podcast, but we got it some is, diehards. I, we got some I will say, I will say it is not like a, it's a, I do it from more of a journalistic perspective. So if you're sort of like, what's going on with those Vikings? I know that Packers fans are a little more like, what's going on over there than they ever want to admit. Vikings <laughs> fans will admit that. They always want to know what's going on with the Packers. Always. If I bring on a Packers guest, they're like, they, the, the numbers go up because they're like, oh, what's going on with the Packers? Uh, <laughs> but Packers are like, we never heard of you. You don't have any rings. That's a the but, Don that's, Draper um, meme. Yeah, yes, right. I don't think about you at all. Well, you're going to have to now. You don't have Rogers anymore. So, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, Purple Insider Podcast, uh, purpleinsider.com, best places to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for joining us and coming on Talking Vikings. We really do appreciate it. Um, best of luck in your coverage this year. Uh, have fun with all the new guys, and I guess good luck this season. Yeah, same to you guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. <laughs> 